So I think for me, the most important thing to realize has been that my children are individual people and they aren't all carbon copies of me. Um, really, none of them are carbon copies of me. They're all individual people. And um, they're not carbon copies of each other either. Um, but they still definitely have, they have different strengths. They have different personalities. They have different interests. Um, and just really embracing them for who they are. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Hello, friends. Today, I am joined by my friend, Laura McKinney-Adams. She is a wife and mother to three and the author of the ebook, How to Homeschool Preschool. She holds a bachelor's degree from Liberty University, and while there at Liberty, she met her husband, who is a fellow homeschool graduate. Laura writes about classical education, lifelong learning for moms, and homeschooling the little years or the early years at lauramckinneyadams.com. And I've had the chance to actually meet Laura in person, which is, is always fun when an internet face becomes a real life friend. And she has guest posted at humilityandoxology.com before, but this is the first time I actually get to interview her for the podcast. So very fun. <laughs> Laura, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and how you guys got started homeschooling? Sure. Okay. So my name is Laura, and I am married to Daniel, who I met in college. Um, so we met studying for an honors theology test at seven o'clock in the morning, and we are every bit as nerdy as that makes us sound. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I'm married to my college sweetheart, and we have three sweet children. We have a seven-year-old boy who is in second grade. We have a five-year-old boy who is in kindergarten. And then we have a daughter who is three. And so she is my last home preschooler, which is very fun. And yes, yeah, so as far as how we got started homeschooling, so I was homeschooled kindergarten through 12th grade. My husband was homeschooled first grade through 12th grade. So just about as long as I was. And um, so I think for us, that was kind of our default normal, if that makes sense. So I think a lot of people, they grew up in public school. And so that's like what they're used to, which makes total sense to me. Um, this is what I'm used to. And so this is what kind of what my default setting was. Um, so I really believe that individualized education is a gift. And that's a gift that I had. And that's a gift that I wanted my children to have. And um, so my husband also felt very strongly about this. This was something that we discussed when we were dating. So that was just kind of always the plan. Um, so we started officially for real homeschooling when my oldest was in kindergarten, but I did do a preschool at home year with him before that, kind of unofficially. So I can relate so much to that kind of perspective. Whenever someone's like, well, why did you guys or when did you guys decide to homeschool your children? It was a very similar thing as a homeschool graduate myself. My husband, who was homeschooled through seventh grade, um, we had had very positive experiences experiences with homeschooling. And so to me, it was just sort of a natural decision. It didn't actually ever feel like this big, um, difficult, scary um, decision, for which I'm very thankful because I know it can feel like completely going outside the box 
for so many families. For sure. And I definitely have friends and people I interact with both in person and online who will be concerned about something like, will my kid turn out okay? And I'm like, well, I think I'm okay. So <laughs> I mean, we're, we're relatively normal. I'm relatively normal, right? So, <laughs> Oh, I think one of the things that's interesting to think about and discuss when I interview other second generation homeschoolers is how your own sort of thoughts and philosophy of education has has grown or changed, especially as you maybe reflect on some of the similarities or differences as being the homeschool student versus the homeschool mom. So has anything kind of surprised you in this transition time? So I think for me, the most important thing to realize has been that my children are individual people and they aren't all carbon copies of me. Um, really, none of them are carbon copies of me. They're all individual people. And um, they're not carbon copies of each other either, even though I have a fairly tight age range. I have four years from my oldest to my youngest. They're all like pretty close together. Um, but they still definitely have, they have different strengths. They have different personalities. They have different interests. Um, and just really embracing them for who they are. And a lot of those things I feel like with homeschooling, you can really do a lot with. So like I have one child who loves birds and learning about all the different kinds of birds and going to the nature preserve. And I have this um, app, I think it's Merlin Sounds, and you can listen to the bird and it'll tell you what kind of bird the chirp is coming from. Super cool. So anyway, he loves that. He thinks that is so much fun. And so I'm like, sure, we could work that into science. We could make that happen, you know? Um, but yeah, so I think I probably had a different set of interests than my kids do, which is fine. I mean, now I'm getting to learn new material, right? So. <laughs> But yeah, and so I think one of my children in particular, he is very strong at like, he's very mechanical. And so he loves math and he loves problem solving and he loves learning how to take things apart and then put them back together. And um, that would have never occurred to me um, to do when I was that age. <laughs> but we can celebrate that in him and enjoy that and kind of find constructive outlets, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, as a homeschool nerd, right, what do you want to do? You want to just keep learning for the rest of your life, right? So it's actually kind of fun to get to see our children pursuing maybe different areas of interest than we had when we were growing up and things like that. So do you find yourself kind of homeschooling with a similar approach or philosophy as you experienced yourself, or is it different? So I would say when I was growing up, we were probably a little bit more eclectic. Um, and I, I usually use the classical label for myself. I have been known to eclectify as I need to. <laughs> um, so I have one child who really needs very explicit language arts instruction. And he really does better if I can get him a worksheet and he can punctuate the sentence while he's like looking at it versus like reciting when you use a period. To me, for him, it seems to sink him better that way. So sometimes I'm like, is this a purist? Maybe not, but it's okay because it's what he needs. Yeah. Well, you know, as a homeschooler, we're like, don't fence me in. For real. <laughs> Make me follow your rules. I can do what I want. Don't put me in a box. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We've never been in a box. Don't put us in one now. <laughs> what have been some of your favorite parts of homeschooling, you know, either from your own experience looking back or in these early years with your own little ones? So I think when I look back on it, I think particularly for me in like middle school and high school was when I really started kind of narrowing down interests and trying things and that sort of thing. And so for me, one thing I really enjoyed a lot was theater. 
And so I did a lot of theater <laughs> for 10 years from when I was eight till I was 18. And as I got into middle school and kind of got a little bit more serious about that, I had the opportunity to be in three different professional productions, which I would not have been able to do if I had not been homeschooled because I couldn't have made the rehearsal schedule. And um, so that was just really cool. And um, something that I think even now I decided, you know, not to do that for the rest of my life. But I think I learned a lot of really valuable life lessons. I learned about like being a professional and what does that mean? And um, working with people from different backgrounds. And I think that was just something that was really formative for me. And I think I learned a lot of really good skills that I still have with me now. And I also got to do some voiceover work, which was super fun. I was on a couple of commercials for um, Operation Christmas Child, if you're familiar with that. Um, so that was also just really cool when I'd get to go to the recording booth and do that kind of thing. But um, again, but like that stuff I wouldn't have gotten to do if I'd been in school. So kind of off the beaten path, but it was pretty cool. Um, and then also as I got older, I got into um, policy debate. Um, I was in NCFCA, which is still around. Um, and so that was really a good thing for me too. And I think I learned a lot of skills that especially were helpful for college because we had to learn how to like do the formatting and have the formatting be just right on a reference page. And we had to learn how to find a good legitimate source and how do you like check for biases and who's funding this and all that kind of thing that you don't necessarily think about until you get in a situation where you have to think about it. Um, but I think that was really good for just critical thinking skills, learning how to network and how to share the information you have with others and how to win and how to lose and like a lot of good life skill type things. So those were some things that I would not have been able to put the time into policy debate if I had been in school. Um, and so we also, when I did my government and economics credit for high school, I, I almost like you could probably teach me a class on government and economics at this point. <laughs> so I had kind of a non-traditional government and economics class and was a lot of like writing I'd done for debate and a lot of papers and stuff. But I really enjoyed that. That was really neat. Um, so yeah, so I think on my end, that's the thing I've enjoyed the most. I think for my children, now that I'm at the mom end, I really appreciate that I am able to work at people's paces, even if that's not everybody else's pace, we don't care. We work at our pace. And if we need to go faster, we go faster. And if we need to go slower, we go slower. And if we need to switch math levels in November or some weird time of the year, we just do it, you know? Um, and that's just really, it's just really nice. I think I'm able to stress my kids out less when I'm like, you know, where we do what we need to do and I'm not worried about it and I'm still here. So yeah, that's really good. I love that flexibility and customization that we have with home education. It is really such a gift, both in the little years, like you're describing. And then also it's really that same kind of idea when you were older, um, in your own experience, being able to customize your experience with these unique opportunities. And it's, it's such a gift. It really is. Well, we love homeschooling. I think that's clear, but yeah. it's also sometimes hard. <laughs> so what have been some of the challenges of homeschooling and how have you sought to overcome those challenges? Okay, so I would say we are always together um, because I am home full time with my kids. Um, and so what I say, okay, so we, we would have a sin nature whether we homeschooled or not, right? We would have a sin nature whether we were married or not. We would have a sin nature if we were parents or not. But I think sometimes things like parenting or being a parent or being married or homeschooling, it takes a magnifying glass on that sin 
and you could maybe kind of like get away with coasting a little bit with that fin and then it's like nope no we're gonna we're gonna put this magnifying glass on we're gonna see it we see it and you're like oh no i didn't realize i was this impatient or whatever the thing may be i think that's a common one um you're like oh no so i think when you initially realize that like that is really hard right um but i think there's a lot of growth that can come through that and being like, okay, maybe I do need to work on being more patient. Okay, we do need to maybe like work on being respectful of each other's needs. I feel like the big thing I have is I have all younger kids. And so nobody's really like doing a whole ton independently. Because, you know, he's seven. I mean, you know, <laughs> what are we going to expect? Um, so like that, that's totally normal and fine. But that does mean I need to rotate who I'm helping. And so one thing that I've really worked with on my kids is like, I am going to get back to you as I rotate around. So, you know, don't panic. Like I am coming. So I think that's character building for all of us. Um, but sometimes like the process of building character is not always the most fun thing. Yeah. Sometimes I like to joke that parenting is the hardest part of homeschooling. It's the same yeah. kind of idea. It's just that being together, having to constantly face, you know, my own sin, let alone the sins in my kids. But it's also such a joy because God loves me too much to leave me unrefined, right? Mm -hmm. There's been nothing that has grown my faith more, grown my humility more than this process of parenting in general. But I think homeschooling in particular has has sped that up or shaken it a little bit, a little bit faster. Yeah. Well, one of the things I especially wanted to chat with you about today is homeschooling preschool. So mm -hmm. you wrote uh, an ebook on the subject last year and um, have a lot of experience with this uh, personally as a home educator and a background with preschool education. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Laura, but people on the internet, they oh, yeah. have a lot of opinions. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> they feel very strongly about their opinions. And I see this, you know, in, in many places, but I definitely see this with homeschooling preschool. And I, I don't mind people having opinions. I have opinions too. But one of the things that can make me sad is when I see this idea that there's only this one right way to homeschool preschool. And if you don't do it this way, you know, you're going to ruin your child forever or something. And that just feels overwhelming and discouraging, especially for a new homeschool mom who's thinking about it for the first time. So I kind of wanted to hear your perspective on homeschooling preschool. Tell me all the things, you know, what are those things that we should really care about and prioritize? And maybe what are some of the things we just don't have to think about? So I want to preface this by saying it's so hard on the internet because I get messages from people and I do my absolute best to answer, but also like, I don't know you and I don't know your life. So <laughs> at the end of the day, keep that caveat in mind. Um, but yes, yeah, so I taught preschool in a classroom setting for two years and I am on my fourth year of teaching homeschool preschool. So I feel like I'm finally like kind of settling into what I'm doing now. But um, I think for me, first and foremost, we want our children to know that they are loved that they are loved by their parents, that they are loved by Jesus. And so we start there. That's like our number one most important thing. And then past that, I have kind of a list of what I like for my kids to know going into kindergarten. Um, and your list may not look like my list. And your list probably also depends on, do you intend on sending this child to kindergarten in a classroom setting, or do you intend to continue homeschooling them? Because... Um, if they are going to kindergarten in a classroom setting, I would push writing harder than I would for a child who's going to be home. 
because the kindergarten teacher does not have time to walk around and write 25 names on 25 papers. So just for that context, I think it makes sense to push like learning how to write their name, that sort of thing harder. For me, I like for my children to know how to write their name going to kindergarten. I have one child who has a very long first name and we may or may not get there. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but we're, we're trying, we're working on that. And I like for my kids to know how to count to 20 because then you can kind of start to see the pattern. So then when you go into a hundred chart later, it's like, oh, 12, 22, 32. These all have, you know, our tens places going up, our ones place staying same. Kind of gets that concept started. So that's why I like to do 20 versus just 10. Um, I like for my kids to know their letter sounds and their letter identification, because when you're trying to learn how to read in kindergarten, if you don't have your letter sounds down cold, like that's just more of a slog than is ideal for anybody involved. And let's see. I also try like to make sure I read to my kids every day. Now, this was something that was very intuitive that I did not need to put on a list with my oldest child. I currently, my preschooler is my youngest child, and I've got a second grader who's got a lot more work that he needs to be doing. And I literally have on the weekly checklist to read to her every day, which probably sounds crazy. If you're listening to this and your oldest child's three, you're like, this lady is nuts. Trust me. <laughs> there comes a day where there's just so much executive function going on and there's so many pieces in your day. It's like, you do need it on the list. <laughs> So yeah, so we very much try to read. I try to do a really gentle introduction to Bible memory. And that's one of those things that Bible memory has been easier for some of my kids than others, but I think it's important. So even if it's hard, we just take longer on a verse. But we're going we're gonna to learn it because I think that's really important. And that's something that when I've gone through difficult times in my life, what I've really turned to is those Bible verses I know cold from my childhood. And um, I want them to have that. I think that's just good to have your mind stocked with that. So those are kind of my things. I think sometimes people hear somebody be like, oh, I'm looking for a preschool curriculum. And they're envisioning it being like a super worksheet heavy, intense thing. And it doesn't need to be. Um, there are several different companies that sell preschool packages. And I mean, it pretty much is reading to the child and doing a craft. But sometimes if you've got a child who's three, a lot of moms who have a three-year-old, they've also maybe got a toddler or they also might have a baby, or they also might be pregnant, or they also, I mean, who knows what else is going on in people's lives. Um, and sometimes just having that done and like, I just need to go down this list is a help. And I think for any age, curriculum is a tool. And if you're in a situation where you feel like the tool is going to help you, use the tool, <laughs> use the tool. I would rather you start homeschooling and feel comfortable with it and really confident in what you're doing using the tool. I mean, there's no shame in the tools. Um, I will say right now this year, I am not doing formal curriculum with my three-year-old because um, I've done this so many other times that like I pretty much got a shelf. I'm like, we're going to work through the shelf. I remember what projects we do with the different things. I'm at a point where I don't need that anymore. Um, with my other kids, I did. And that's okay. Now a bank that a writer throws, the arctics in nine violet clothes. Oh my heart. That little clip is of my youngest daughter when she was just two years old and she was lisping her way along with our family's Shakespeare memory, the very same Shakespeare that I was memorizing with the rest of the kids in morning time. 
Can you really introduce your your kids to Shakespeare? Can you easily include Shakespeare's works in your homeschool curriculum? Shakespeare for kids? Surely that is a crazy idea. But let me reassure you, exploring Shakespeare with your children can be fun and easy. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to watch my free Getting Started with Shakespeare workshop, where you can explore some of the resources I rounded up, learn my three quick tips for getting started with Shakespeare, and then you'll be on your way to exploring Shakespeare's masterpieces with your kids of all ages. You can head to humilityanddoxology.com slash exploring dash Shakespeare dash children, or just check the link in the show notes for more details. Yeah, it's so good to remember. I love what you said about like, use the tool if it helps you, if it's going to make you feel confident and peaceful and actually do what you want to do, then use the tool, you know, and if, and if you don't need the tool, that's okay too. Like we can, we can do what we want and it really will depend on the season of motherhood. It will depend on the individual child. Um, I really didn't use a curriculum for preschool, um, really with any of my children, but kind of like what you were saying with your youngest, you're having to write, like read a book to this child on the list, something which seems maybe kind of silly to a mom listening whose oldest is in preschool. By the time my fifth child was preschool, kindergarten, I actually did want some just more open and go scripted curriculum, way more than I had ever used with my older children because it made sure I was prioritizing that little one's instruction when it would be way too easy to be distracted by all the other things and the needs of the older kids. So it kind of just really depends on the season and what mom needs sometimes even more than the child. Because, you know, any preschool curriculum is going to be basically doing the same thing, right? Teaching the same basic concepts. And so some of it has to do with, with personalities too, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I mean, I'll admit it to you. I'm very type A, type A and I, I love a good list and a good list makes me happy. And then I can get to the end of the day and look like, be like, look, I finished this for today. I love it. You know, <laughs> but not everybody likes that. Some people feel boxed in by a list. That's okay too. I hope that that's something that moms listening come away with, um, both feeling equipped to do this, that you can do it. And also to know that you have the flexibility to to do it in a way that best fits who you are and who your child is and the uniqueness of your family. And actually, you have written about um, preschool extensively on your own site, and you wrote um, a post for me as well about classical preschool. And I also have a preschool um, roundup of several Mm -hmm. different curriculums. So I have like my preschool plan, which was a no curriculum plan, but then I also have a list and kind of help you decide which of these curriculum is best for your preschool. So I'll put those um, links in the show notes too for anyone listening. All right. So we've talked about these sort of ideas of homeschooling, homeschooling preschool. And we've talked a little bit about how then it's like also then the reality of your actual child, right? Because these children aren't just like these idealized things we have in our head, right? So how can we embrace our unique family's, you know, educational philosophy and not completely throw that out the window while also, you know, learning to love the actual little one that God has given to us, this this individual image bearer of God? And have you had any experiences with maybe having different children with different needs and approaches to that? 
So I like to, so I tell all my kids that um, they are in whatever grade they would be in by the public school cutoff where we live for social purposes, because that's what people are asking, right? They're not asking that you do math on this level and reading it like that. That's not the question. So <laughs> just for social purposes, like we pick a number and that's what grade you're in and we just call it a day. Um, so I have found with my kids, I have had, so I always in my head, I'm like, okay, we start kindergarten when we're five, right? We start kindergarten when we're five. That was like my idea. That was like what I was going to do, right? Especially because my older kids are boys. I have two boys. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's no, there's no need to start. Like, it's going to be fine. You know, we're just going to relax. We're going to be chill. It's going to be fine. Okay. I had one child um, that, that was not working for him in any way, shape or form. He was, he was not happy. <laughs> and he, he truly needed to go ahead and start kindergarten. And I fought with him about it for about a whole semester. And I was like, but you, but you don't need to, you got your whole life, you know, it's fine. He's like, no, he's like, I want to do this. And anyway, and so he finally wore me down and I just, I took him to the homeschool store and we bought masks and we know I was like, okay, we're going to start it. Here we go. Thinking he would lose interest. No, no, he's not, he's not lost interest. <laughs> and he's just, he's a more intense kind of kid. And like, he needs that. And even like when we take breaks, he really misses the structure of having school time. And that's just something that he really thrives with for whatever reason. Um, and so I had to kind of like get over myself and I'm like, well, nobody else says this is what a four-year-old boy needs, but apparently this is what my four-year-old boy needs. Ah, you know, <laughs> so that was my thing where I felt like I was kind of going out on a limb. I don't know. Anyway, so, and he's still, for social situations, he's the public school cutoff. I would say he's my one who's the most asynchronous from what a typical child does at the typical age. And that's fine, that's how he's made, that's how he's wired. Um, but yeah, sometimes we have to kind of get over ourselves a little bit to give our child what they need. And I think it's important to just like be in prayer and to also like have the humility to change course when you need to change course, because sometimes that happens and you, you gotta change course. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of humility and prayer and being willing to be flexible because even with my own asynchronous learners, you know, sometimes you start off in this way and then you're, they're sprinting forward in this direction. And then suddenly there's some quirk and you have a new thing and you've got to pivot again, right? And so just being willing to be flexible and pivot. And I loved what you said where it's like, people are like, that's not what a four-year-old boy needs. And you were like, but this is what my four-year-old boy needs. Yeah. Right? So just to keep that in mind, that is so good. So good. No matter what age our children, you know, are at any given stage, someone somewhere will give a blanket statement. This is the way things are for this age or this gender of child. And you have to take that always with a grain of salt and look at the actual child in your living room. And sometimes it may mean, you need to let them run faster. Sometimes it may mean that you need to wait. Um, and that's good. That's what we get to do. That's why we homeschool, right? Yeah. And I've really had to let go of the type A, like we're going to finish one book per year and we will finish it in one year perfectly and we will never go over and we will never start. I just, I just had to stop that and let that go. <laughs> yeah. That, that, homeschooling will teach you to be very flexible very quickly. <laughs> 
Well, Lara, if you were talking to a mom who was considering homeschooling for the first time, maybe she has all little ones and she's thinking about homeschooling, you know, starting for the first time, or maybe she has older ones and is transitioning to homeschooling. I'd love to hear what advice or encouragement you would have, and if there are any resources or books you would particularly recommend for a new homeschooler. Okay, so I love this question, and one of my favorite things to do online and in real life is like help people get started and kind of cheerlead them over the finish line. Like, you can do it! Okay, so I have three resources I'm going to suggest. And it's, again, one of those things, depends on your situation. So I will explain that the situation that would be most helpful for these things. Okay, so if you either went to classroom, school, public, private, charter, whatever, and that's your frame of reference, or if your child has previously been in classroom school and that's their frame of reference, I really recommend the book Rethinking School by Susan Wise Bauer. And that really gets into, well, why do we run classrooms the way we do in the U.S. now? And really, there's a whole historical stream about how we got from where things used to be to where they are now, which I think is so interesting, but also very freeing because some of these things, it's like, well, I mean, we don't have to do it that way just because that's how we are doing it. We don't have to do it that way. And we haven't for all of humanity's history done it that way. And I just think that's a really helpful book if that's kind of your frame of reference and your background. So I would say any age of child, um, but if there's like any kind of school background, I think that one's really, really good. I enjoyed it, even with my non-classroom school background. Um, so the second one, I would say for any age child, really any experience of mom too. Um, I really like Teaching from Rest by Sarah McKenzie. And that's one that I revisit periodically. It's also pretty short. So it's not so dense as to be like intimidating. And I think sometimes it's good to start with one that's not intimidating. <laughs> but the content is really good um, and just, just very peaceful. I think that one's very helpful too. And then if you've got little kids and your oldest is maybe, you know, two, three, four, and you're like, oh, I think I might want to homeschool, but I don't know. I don't know where to get started. Then you might want my ebook. Um, which is available at my website, lauramckinneyadams.com. I have a shop tab and click on that. Um, I can also send you this link too. Um, but that goes through, that's basically like my compilation of like all the questions people have ever asked me like online or in person about this. And I just like wrote the whole thing up. And so it's all in one place. And so I talk about curriculum and I talk about scope and sequence and like what kind of goals do you want to set? I talk about like the different philosophies of education because I think when your oldest is in preschool is a great time for mom to read about that and figure out what resonates with her. Because preschool does not take a super long time. And so you kind of have some time to explore a little bit on your end as a teacher. And um, that's something I did when my oldest was young. And that's been really helpful for me today that I kind of, I did the Charlotte Mason deep dive and read her some of her original writings and all that. And um, I just, I think that's helpful. I think it's helpful to know who you want to be as a teacher. It helps you set that end goal. You can get that vision, that big picture idea of the human at the end of this homeschool journey. You know, what kind of human do I want to raise? That's one of the questions I encourage people to think about when they're planning their homeschool. And so, like you were saying, in the preschool years, the academic part is going to be not taking too much time, most likely. And so that's kind of the professional development time for mom, really, to start mm -hmm. thinking about those big ideas and reading good books yourself, right? So being yeah. the kind of human that you would want your children to become as well. Yeah. And I also, something that's really important to me that I really value is I'm um, continuing to be a lifelong learner myself. 
because I want my kids to see that we don't ever arrive, that there's always more that we can be learning. There's always somebody out there who knows more than we do, um, but you can learn new things <laughs> even when you're growing up. Um, I, just, I think that's a really important life skill. Definitely. Well, along those lines, I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask all my guests. And so the first one is just, what are you personally reading lately these days? Okay, so I am currently reading In His Image by Jen Wilkin with a church group of ladies at my church. And um, so it's about the attributes of God that we are also supposed to be pursuing as believers. And um, I really enjoy Jen Wilkin personally. I think she has good um, Bible type content. She also has another book, Women of the Word, I read a few years ago. That's very good if you want to like learn how to do Bible study. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm doing that with a group. And then just personally by myself, I'm reading John Adams by David McCullough, um, which is a biography. And um, I promise this has nothing to do with my last name. <laughs> but I do really like John and Abigail Adams a lot. Abigail Adams especially. I just think she was really fascinating. Really neat lady. I had a biography of her that I must have read like a dozen times as a child. And it had the story of when she gives all of her pewter and lets it be melted down for, for bullets in the Revolutionary War. And I thought, oh, what an amazing heroine. But she was brilliant. Yes, both yeah, of them she were. Was a, she was really smart. Really yeah. look at her letters and things. Really brilliant lady. Well, Lara, what is your best tip for helping the homeschool day run more smoothly? Okay, so... Your mileage may vary, caveat. Okay, so with my kids, I have found we all have breakfast together and then we go straight into school because if I let them scatter, this is what happens. I let them scatter. They start playing peacefully with each other. I think, oh, I should just sit here and have some more coffee. They're being so sweet. We, we, don't, we don't need to school, you know? And that's too tempting. And so I'm like, nope, nope, breakfast, school, breakfast, school. We, we can't scatter because it's also it's hard to get everybody to reconvene too because I have little people in the mix who are not school age and you know so that's when it turns into the herding cats even when yeah, and our just, kids yeah and everybody I don't know I think it helps them that like that's the expectation and we've done it that way every day for forever and um, so I feel like I get less pushback of I can't believe mom's making me do school if it's like the same routine every day like we do this every day. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the reasons why we do kind of have a school start time. I mean, it's somewhat flexible, of course, and we can go if things are changing or there's, you know, other life events going on or someone's not feeling well. But in general, we know that everyone is supposed to be in the living room ready to go at eight. And it just makes things run a little bit more smoothly because I'm not having to decide every morning when we're going to start school. It's just like, oh, yeah, OK, this is just what we do. And um, it just seems to make take away every decision that you can take off the plate. Like, sure. It just makes it so much simpler. Yeah. And I think just like this is the boundary. We've communicated it clearly. And this is what we're going to do every day. So anything you can get into a routine with, I just feel like really helps. Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Can you tell folks where they can find you all around the internet? Sure. Okay. So I am at lauramckinneyadams.com. I am at lauramckinneyadams on Facebook and on Instagram and on Pinterest. Um, so same place, same name, all the places. Um, but yeah, and you can check out my shop where I have my ebook. Um, I also have lots of blog posts that are available. Um, have a page where I have all my 
interviews and posts I've written for our state homeschool magazine and some other things there. Um, and you can always DM me on Instagram if there's something you're looking for, if you need help. I love to help people. So just let me know. That is great. And I will have links to all of those places in the show notes for this episode over at humilityindexology.com. You guys, thank you so much for listening today. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review for this podcast, to share it with a friend, maybe someone who is considering homeschooling their preschooler, send Laura a message and we would love to hear from you. Thank you, Laura, and I will chat with you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.